you just remember like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, like it was just business as normal. We just come to church, we come into our building, we praise God. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, this, it just happens. It just, uh, we are having to meet at home and we're just like, uh, Jesus, we like human interaction. Why are we in our homes now? Right? So suddenly. So, so we can relate to this suddenly moment. And so Jesus turns our suddenly storms where the storm rages and what it says in the scripture, and it's the promise for us today, is that, is that he brings great calmness to our storms. And so storms that enter into our life that are not planned can be made calm through Jesus. And so I want this to, I want you to declare this over your life and over your family. And I, and I want you to proclaim this thought that, that when I put my trust in Jesus, Jesus calms my storm. And so you could just say this in your home. When I trust in Jesus, Jesus calms my storms. And so William Barclay says, when the storms of doubt seek to uproot our foundations of faith. There's a steady safety in the presence of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying there is like, when the doubt comes in and it begins to shake our foundations at the deepest core, our safest moment is when we are in God's presence. When, when we really are are realizing, oh, Jesus is in my boat, and I trust him. I trust him. And so uh, I heard it one way. Jen and I were listening to this sermon earlier this week, and Stephen Furtick was talking about uh, faith. And he was, he was understanding faith in the beginning as faith being like a lever, where, where you, um, you, you put something in, you put some trust in, and God... Miraculously, miraculously does something in your life. So it's like a leather, lever. So you put something in, you click the lever, and something comes out. And what he was saying was, faith is not like that. Faith is a lens that you learn to live and see things through the eyes of Christ. And so that's what it's like when we walk in faith, that it's not... We put something in, we put 20 minutes of prayer in, so that means we get something back. No, we are saying, Jesus is in my boat. You're in my boat, Jesus. And I'm going to trust in your grace to lead me through this situation. And I'm at my safest moment when I'm with you, Jesus. And so this idea is that Jesus turns our suddenlies, our suddenly storms into great calmness. So as I was revisiting this scripture, because we were we talked about it a few weeks ago, I was learning some new things about the Sea of Galilee, the, the sea that Jesus got onto a boat and was really uh, taking his disciples on. 
And what I was learning about was the Sea of Galilee was, is really 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. And I was learning that the way that the Sea of Galilee is situated is it's situated in a, a giant valley. And it's called the Jordan Valley. And, and so this Sea of Galilee, Galilee is, is the lowest freshwater lake on the earth. And so the significance of that is in, in parts of, the, of this lake or Sea of Galilee, what, what happens is on one side, there's like gentle breezes, calm breezes that blow through on one side. But on the other side, the side as, as, the, as the cool air comes through the valley and through the gullies, what happens is in an instant, it can turn into a raging storm. And so um, the way that it does that is when the wind blows through the valley and, and through the gullies, it, it, it's, it's basically this giant funnel. And so the air becomes compressed. And, and then that's what generates this high wind power in, in this, this lake, the Sea of Galilee. Like the taku winds. Like, like the taku winds, exactly. <laughs> Good. Exactly like that. And so we can totally relate to something like that in Juno. Like when you're downtown and the taku winds are, are blowing, you can barely stand up. Like it's pushing you over. So that is what is happening. So I was reading this account of these, this group of visitors who, who visited the... Um, who visited the Sea of Galilee, and they were making this comment. As they were standing on the beach, they were wondering, um, when Jesus like, calmed the storm, like, they were like, well, this doesn't make any sense. They, what, the, what was happening was they were looking at the sea, and it was like glassy calm. There was not even a ripple. And they're like, how can this be possible? And then as they said that, 20 minutes later, all of a sudden, the warm, gentle breezes that they were experiencing turned into white caps and uh, raging waves. It became violent. And then they found themselves having to run away 200 yards away because they saw all the waves crashing against the city walls. And so when it says that that this storm happened suddenly, that's a true statement. People experience that. And so as we read these coming verses, kind of the context of this being spoken out, the things that we need to think about as we're reading it, is that, is that um, Jesus had just finished talking to the disciples and, and people about daily living. This is chapters 5 through 7. And Jesus, he is teaching with wisdom, really divine wisdom, of how to live daily life. And so when you read uh, 5 through 7, and then it switches, it kind of transitions into chapter 8, Jesus is... is um, Jesus is putting love into action through his miraculous power. And so the writer, he's, his name is Matthew, he's an accountant, so everything is methodical. 
Everything has its set place. And so there's a reason why he's writing it in a certain way. So Jesus is speaking to us in this, um, in this passage. Um, and he's moving with love in action. So first he was talking about how do we live? And he's, now he's putting his love into action. And so in this chapter, there's seven miracles. And this is the last miracle that, that Jesus, or one of the last miracles. And so, um, one of the seven miracles. And so let's just begin to read. It says, Jen, why don't you read? Sure. Yeah, just read all the way. It's 27. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake, with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Even the winds and the waves obey him. The question that we have to ask ourselves, really, is, is did Jesus, and this is why I think God wanted us to revisit this, because he wants to settle it in our, in our minds and in our hearts, that Jesus is in our boat. But the question we have to ask ourselves to think about is, did Jesus calm the storm for that one moment? Or was he speaking to us from afar? We have to ask ourselves this question, not just for us, but for our neighbors who we may be sharing. Maybe, maybe they've never heard this story. What I'm really trying to say is, do you think it was an isolated incident or was Jesus trying to speak to us in all our situations? That's the real question. And, and the truth is, is that Jesus calming the storm is not an isolated instance. It's not just a one-time thing. Think about it. If, if Jesus had just miraculously calm that storm, yeah, it would have been great for the, the disciples, but the world would have never known. And so, Jesus, he calms the storms then, and he's really speaking to us all now. He calms our storms now. And so, Jesus got into the boat, and he started across the lake with his disciples. It's important that we read different translations, especially translations that are word for word, because they point to how Jesus leads us. So in one translation, the Bible that I read, New American Standard, it says that Jesus got into the boat and the disciples followed him. And so what that's speaking to is, is like Jesus leads us where we're going. He was the one who took the initiative to get into the boat, 
to get to the other side. And so the things that God starts, he positions himself to finish what he starts. What he starts in our life, what he starts in the, the idea of a business, uh, maybe you, you run a business. He started that thought in your mind, and he plans to finish what he started. If you're a leader and you lead our city, at no matter what level you're at, he planted the idea that you would lead and serve and protect our community. And so he plans on finishing what he begins. And so it says, suddenly, the boat was covered in waves. And so what that's speaking to is God cares about the things today and the things of tomorrow. And Jesus, he says, why are you afraid? Verse 26 says, Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Come on, guys. You have little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked, because I can speak, rebuked the wind and waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying, why are you afraid? I'm right here. I'm in your boat. I'm the one who got into the boat first. And so there is a safety in God's presence. And the disciples had Jesus in their boat. What they had was Jesus is life. He's alive. One of the songs that I I posted on our webpage was Raise a Hallelujah. And it's a song about being in the storm. And and, and it says, I'm going to read part of the chorus. It says, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. And then he says, louder and louder, or she, whoever wrote it, louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. So like Sea of Galilee, it was quiet. And then within 30 minutes, it began to roar. So the storm roars. It is unbearable. And so he's saying, I'm going to... I'm going to sing at that level of roaring, and then it's going to get louder, and it's going to go above and beyond my unbelief. I'm going to praise him. And so one of the ways that we meet God in the storm is we praise him. And so he sings louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Like they thought in the boat they were dead. But the king is alive. The king is alive in our life. The king is alive in your boat. You did not bring yourself to this moment right now. One of the promises that we know is that God is still living on his throne. And he's not surprised. He's not pressured. But he loves us. And he is our peace. And so, the way that we have to think about this is how do we, like, how do we 
give this to him? How do we bring this storm to him? And so there's a verse in Psalms 37, verse 5, and the New American Standard, and it says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. And, and so there's three corresponding verses. Psalms 55, verse 22, Proverbs 16, 3, 1 Peter 5, 7. And what these scriptures do is they describe what it means to commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him and he will do it. And, and so that's what we're, we're turning to. And so he uses this word commit, which means to dedicate or trust entirely to a specific person. And so we're, we're dedicating, we're, we're giving, we're trusting entirely. And so giving things this, described in Psalm 55, 22, I'm going to paraphrase it and then read the scripture. But we, we give the things that burden us to God, and He will take care of us. He will not allow those who follow to slip and fall. He will not allow us to be thrown headlong. We're not going to trip and and go headfirst. He's there to protect us. It says in Psalm 55, 22, Give your burdens to the Lord, and He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So we bring our actions before God and we leave it with Him. Proverbs 16.3 Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. 1 Peter 5.7 Give all your worries and cares to God for He cares about you. Amen. And so that word commit what it means is it means to roll away, to take that thing and roll it away. Jen was telling me of this. When she thinks about commit, she thinks about like letting go of something completely, wholeheartedly. And so it just was, I was just reminded of this story on, of our honeymoon where uh, we went on this four by four tour. And we, uh, we stopped on this side of the river and we, um, uh, they gave us the opportunity to jump into this river. And, and so the, the river uh, was a shallow river, about six feet. And um, so I think you were the, were you the first one? I think she was the first one, you know, of course. Uh, team adventure right here. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, sh- they gave her, or they gave all, us, all of us the option. There was only three of us who jumped in. Yeah, there weren't very many. There weren't very many. (laughs) It was cold. cold. And um, so, uh, of course, she jumps in. She jumps in. But before that, the tour guide, he explains how to jump in and how to not jump in. Because we were using a rope swing. Because we were, yeah, because we were using a rope swing. And so we, um, so, of course, Jen does it perfectly. And, And then I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, help me. Uh, help me to overcome this. Um, these, these are like split seconds. Don't look like a fool, Danny. Um, so I get up to the rope, and I'm, I'm about to go, and then I just I look at the, the tour guide, and I just, I just eye contact, and I'm just like, 
if I let go, I'm going to make it, right? And, and he, says, he says, yeah, just let go at the end. You know, it's no big deal, right? So then I, of course, I, I grab the top of the rope and I jump up. And remember, I'm 6'6". Six, six. And so I, I jump and like, like I saw Jen and she just like <laughs> floated perfectly and then let go into the water. But what happened for me was as I pulled up, I was, I was thinking that I was smaller than I, I really was. And, and so the, the bottom of my left foot caught the edge of, of the edge of the river. And I thought, oh, Jesus, do I let go or do I hold on? And, and I let go, of course, at the end, and I crashed into the water. I crashed into the river. And so that's an idea of being committed and <laughs> letting go. Because you have to commit to swing out and let go because he said they had people that would swing out, not let go, and they come back and crash into the tree. <laughs> that's right. So I had to let go. And I couldn't let Jen have all the fun. Uh, we'll say it like that. Um, so in a sense, we all have to let go of the rope. We all have to commit everything by letting God become the security in the storm. And so Jesus, he teaches us about giving things to him and asking things of him and, and asking him for help. And he talks about this in Matthew 7, 7 through uh, 11. And so just the first few verses... It says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. And so the reward of, of asking is receiving. The reward of seeking is finding. Verse 8 says, for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And so when we think about knocking, it's kind of a two-sided coin where one side, it's speaking about resistance. When we pray, there's going to be resistance. But the other side of the coin, the other part, is that whatever we're persistent at, the door will be open. God will answer our prayer. And... And so there's also a story in the Old Testament about a man named Daniel who was like devout, a devout man of prayer, a man of integrity. He, he, he prayed for his country. God moved mightily through his life. But there was a moment when he began to pray and God didn't answer him right away. And so he kept praying. And when you read in that story, what happens is there's a messenger from God who comes to you and says, the moment that you started praying, God set the answer. But I, I was hindered from get, giving the answer to you. I was hindered. There was something in the way. There were spiritual principalities in the way. But his prayer got answered. And so when we pray, there is going to be resistance at times. And we're going to have to Sing louder and louder as the, as the storm rages loud, louder. Our praises have to get louder. And so 
God knows our anxious thoughts and what we need when we ask. It says in Matthew 6.30, And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And so, why does Jesus command us to keep on coming and drawing near to God? What we find in verses 9 through 11 of Matthew 7 is that that God is not like a parent who will mock us for drawing near to Him. That's what He's teaching us. He's, He's not someone who will say no or yes to the little things. In the Lord's Prayer, it says uh, that Jesus says, pray for my, my food, pray for my bread. And pray for bread. And that word for bread is bread. And it's not some allegorical term that we need to create or expand on. It's bread. And the reason Jesus says it like that is, pray for bread. Pray for those simple things. Because God cares. And so, some of us may have not grown up in, in a home where it was, it was always ideal that we had a parent who, who loved us and cared for us. We might have grown into a, a hard household where we, were, we felt we were always crushed. And, um, but, but God, He addresses that through Jesus. Jesus came to earth to die for us, for our sin. He came to address who the Father really is. And who the Father is, is He loves us dearly. And He wants to have relationship with us. And so, let's read in verse 9 through 11. Jen, why don't you read that? In Matthew. In Matthew 7, 9 through 11. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? And so when Jesus was sharing these examples, like we see in this, it says, if your children ask for a loaf, would you give him a stone? What Jesus is speaking to is, on those beaches, they would find limestone. And these limestone pieces of rock looked like loaves of bread. They, they had the same color, and they had the same shape. And so Jesus is like speaking to like their moment in time. Like, so they would understand, oh yeah, Jesus is talking about those limestone things on the beach. They look like bread. So he's speaking to them currently. Um, and, and so um, Jesus is, is asking the crowd and us, will a parent make fun of a child by giving them a stone that looks like a loaf of bread? And the answer is no. He'll never do that. 
No parent should mock their child if, if they're desperate for, for food. If we are desperate and we are in need, he wants us to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, and to keep on, on knocking on the door, to be persistent. Because he is not going to deny what we need. He knows what we need. He knows our anxious thoughts. And so, um, Jesus was also speaking to the philosophy in that day and age. Some of the philosophy that was being talked about and, and described in that time was the, the Greek mythology. Mythology, I can speak. And, um, and so... Uh, uh, Jesus was speaking, and, and some of the thought that was going during that time, that philosophy, was the Greeks, they believed that, that when the gods gave gifts to humanity, it was always a dual-sided gift. It was always a gift and a curse. And so when um, the, uh, there was like a story where this, this goddess, Aurora, fell in love with this human. And she went to Zeus and, and said, I want to spend the rest of eternity or immortality with this man. I've, I've fallen in love with him. But she didn't ask that this man would stay young forever. And so there was a barb in, there was a hook in, in her, the request, and Zeus saw that. And so he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that request, but he's going to grow older and older and older, but the curse is he'll, he'll never die. And, and that's just sad. And so Jesus is saying, I am not like other gods. God, our Father, is not like other gods. What he wants us to do is to come to Him in prayer. He wants us to trust that that He responds with perfect wisdom and perfect love. So He's not going to give us something that's going to hurt us. that That would go against love, perfect love, and perfect wisdom. And so, Jesus, when He was speaking on the, the Sermon on the Mount, he was speaking with what is perfect wisdom. And we know when we read the Bible that perfect wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the truth. He's, he's the way. He's, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And, and so he knows perfect wisdom of how to live daily life, how to forgive, how to overcome anxiety how to give, when to give, to continue to give. Giving is a part of the kingdom. If we can't remove giving outside of the kingdom, we can't remove anxiety or offenses. Those things will come. Jesus says those things will come. But go to your brother. Go talk to that person. And through prayer, he says, keep coming back to me. Keep coming back. And so, I want to wrap this up by saying that Jesus 
calming the storm in Matthew 8 wasn't an isolated incident. Jesus calmed the storm then as he calms the storms now. The moment they came to Jesus, the moment they came to Jesus, Jesus calmed the storm. That's the picture. Is Jesus in your boat? The answer is yes. Go to Jesus. The moment they went to Jesus, Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. I'm in your boat. Why are you afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The starting line of our faith is believing that God exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. That it isn't too small of us to ask Him for the small things. He gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. So it doesn't matter what we ask for, no matter how small it is, even if it's for bread for today. Even gluten-free bread. Even gluten-free bread. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So Hebrews 11.6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. So there we go. That's the definition. We have to have faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Pause. So we have to believe that God exists. Once we believe that he exists, then it says, and that he rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek him. Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's saying those who sincerely, or the better word is diligently seek him. It is still kingdom that there's resistance. That is normal. But what is super normal is that super amazing is that Jesus is with us. And we can ask him for grace to help us where we are weak. And really, that's why we keep coming back to Him, is because of His grace, that He gives us grace-enabling power to overcome our weakest moments and even the sinful pits that we get ourselves into. He forgives us when we repent He loves you. It's not a lever. It's not us trying to earn this grace. It's it's seeing that Jesus is in the boat. When He got in the boat, and we followed Him and believed in Him as our Savior and Lord, He hasn't left. He'll never leave us or forsake us. That's right. He'll never leave us or forsake us. The way we begin to trust in, in God is by trusting and believing that our Father will never hurt us. And when we ask for something, that He will give us what we need. 
Now, it may not happen the way that we want, but we're trusting that God has perfect wisdom and he moves in perfect love. And so he's a good father who, who knows how to give better than what we could ever ask for. So he says in verse 11, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? And so it says that, it says that love is, is when, when somebody is laying their life down for a person, somebody he, doesn't, he or she doesn't know. And, and that's what Jesus did, is he laid down his life, not knowing us, but dying for us, so that we could have the decision whether we want to get into the boat with Jesus and go to the other side. But those of us who have made that decision to, to get into the boat with Jesus, he's the one who led us, he's also the one who gets us to the other side. So you are at your safest moment, your safest place in God's presence when Jesus is there. So Valley Church, make that your declaration. That when I put my trust in Jesus, Jesus is there with me. I am not alone. Where I am weak, He's strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When we need wisdom, he says to ask wisdom and he gives wisdom freely. And so let me wrap up in prayer. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we got to hear from you through your word. We thank you, God, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we ask you, God, that you would lead us step by step. I pray, God, that you would help us to remember that you were the one who got into the boat and and we followed. And so that means you will not leave us or abandon us. You will lead us step by step. God, I thank you that you're in my boat, our boat as a family, our boat as a church, that you are not shaken, you are not afraid, and you are still on your throne. That means you're in control. Everything has to go through you, Jesus, before anything can happen. And I just thank you, Father. We just ask that you would lead us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.